Hallelujah. So Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse number 14, we're going to be looking at this in the, in the aspect of Esau's life. Now he says in verse number 14, though, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Now we're going to stop right there for a second, and then I want you to see something. Esau here took what was given to him by birth. It was his birthright. It was given to him naturally by birth. It was it was established by God, but it was just a natural thing that was given to him at birth. He was born with it, and he took that thing, and the Bible says here that he, it became something profane. He became a fornicator. In the Bible, spiritual fornication or adultery is whenever you take something that belongs to God and begin to you know, invest it in the things of the world. But notice this: the word profane here. It's, it's a, it's a Word here that means something. Vine's dictionary says it means to cross the threshold. To cross the threshold. So in other words, what he did is he took something that God gave him and he crossed the threshold out of the holy territory and into the unholy territory. He treated what God gave him as something common. He did not esteem it as something holy and precious. God had given him something. And instead of honoring God in it, and instead of, instead of preserving that which God had given him, he began to trade it for a piece of bread. And when he did, the Bible says he became profane. That is, that he crossed the threshold. He crossed the threshold. Do you know how many times we take things that God's given us and we cross the threshold from the holy to the unholy with it? Sometimes God will give us a job. Sometimes God will give us a job. And we'll take that job that God gave us so that we can provide for our families and so that we can support missions and so we can do this and do that. And God has given it to us. God, God's given you an ability. God's given you, you know, a dream or a talent. And we take that thing that God gave us for a holy purpose and we cross the threshold and we begin to work and miss church and work and not invest in the things of God and we begin to get the the bigger cars and the bigger houses and the this and the that's. We begin to set our hearts on the things that are common instead of the things that are holy. Now, holy just means set apart. Common is something that's ordinary. And that's what a profane thing is. But it doesn't start out profane. A profane thing doesn't start out profane. See, when you profane God's name, it's when you've taken his holy name and treated it as common. Right? That's why you never hear anybody use Muhammad's name as a curse word. Because it's not holy to begin with. But what we do when we, see, when, when we see something profane, it's when you take something that is holy and you cross the threshold into the unholy territory. 
And so we see this, like I said, with, with, with the name of God or somebody will use Jesus Christ's name in vain. They'll profane it. They'll take that holy name, that name above all names, and they'll begin to use it as a curse word or something ordinary. And in Esau's life, he did the same thing with something God gave him. God gave him, right, this birthright, and he traded it for bread, bringing it into the profane territory, okay? So there's times in our lives that God will give us things. God's given you authority. God's given you authority over the enemy. God's given you the ability, you know, to, to, to uh, have faith in situations and to see the power of God move in your life, that God has given you the ability to come to him and, and every burden be lifted off of you. God has given you the ability to walk in freedom. You don't have to walk in bondage. God has given you authority over the power of this world. God has given you the ability to walk in authority over the flesh. The flesh and the spirit are at war with one another, right? Yeah, amen. Isn't that what it says in Galatians? But those that walk in the spirit, it says, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh is that which is of the world. God, by the Spirit of God, has given you the ability to walk against and over the flesh. And yet, so many people take that profane thing that God's given us called, so many people take, so many people take that gift that God's given us called walking in the Spirit, and they profane it. They don't do it. They, they take it and they relegate it to something that somebody else can do, but not me. They don't believe God's word. But I want you to know, God does not move in the lives of superstars. God does not move mountains for superstars. God moves mountains for the whosoever's will believe. God's not interested in the superstar status. He's looking for some common folks that'll believe an uncommon God. He's looking for some folks that will trust and simply believe. He's not waiting on the right person to believe. He's right, waiting on the right heart to believe. The right heart to believe. And if you'll believe, all things will be possible for you. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, all things are possible if you'll believe. I don't know what you think is impossible, and I don't know what the devil has told you is impossible, but I know that Jesus said all things are possible if you believe. That's what I know. So sometimes we get into those situations and we begin to allow the enemy and we begin to allow the flesh to lie to us and we do not take authority over those things that God's given us and we'll begin to profane the gift of God, which is the spirit of God, grieving the spirit of God. Now Esau here, look at this next verse. So he, he crossed the threshold. The, the, the other definition that Vines gives it is to pollute, right? To pollute. You take something that God's given you and you don't use it for God's purpose, you're polluting it. Amen? It's like if, 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 God gives you, if God gives you a family, but then you begin to lead your family away from God. You're polluting what God's given you. If God's given you, you know, a, a, a house or God's given you a job, use that thing for God's glory. Don't allow the enemy to get you sidetracked into the purposes of the flesh. This is what happened to Esau. 
You got sidetracked for bread. Can you imagine? Now, we, we look back on it and we say, man, how can you do that? But in the heat of the moment, if you're not walking in the spirit, you'll do some crazy stuff. In the heat of the moment, when the pressure's on and you've been worn down, because you know the enemy knows how to wear you down. If, if you're not walking in the spirit, if you're not walking in the spirit, the enemy will just trickle after trickle after trickle wear you down and you'll do some foolish stuff. You'll do something that you never wanted to do and you'll do something that like Esau will be like, how he traded his whole birthright. I mean, all those lambs, all those ewes, all those oxen, all that property, all those wells of water. He traded all that for a, a bowl of soup. Are you serious? Sin makes you stupid. You'll do some very dumb stuff if, if you're not walking in the Spirit. You, you, you'll begin to walk away from the blessings and the promises of God in your life. Whether it's your family or your job or your church or your, your church family, you'll begin to, you'll, you will begin to not esteem the things of God anymore. And you'll begin to get so focused on the things of the world that the world will make you foolish. The world's very good at that, make you foolish. Amen? So many people, so many people have thought they could, they could do it. But listen, you're not smarter than the devil. Walking in the Spirit gives you victory. But if you're not walking in the Spirit, then, then you are utilizing the flesh to imitate the Spirit, and that'll never work. Your pastor may not see through it. Your Sunday school teacher may not see through it, but God sees through it, and you know it. And the flesh knows it. And he'll use that. And he'll get you to sell what God's given you for a bowl of porridge. So here we see, look at verse 17. It says, for you know how that afterward. Isn't that amazing how sin, there's always an afterward. When you're in the heat of the moment, you don't think about the afterward. That's how sin is. You don't think about the afterward. It's all about the now. Look at the after. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, we're not going to judge his heart, but we're just going to look at what the word says. <laughs> it says he sought, he sought repentance, but he couldn't find it, even though he had tears in his eyes. So there might be crocodile tears, you could say. You know what crocodile tears are? Sometimes you're sorry you get caught. Any person that's ever done any kind of prison ministry knows there's such a thing as jailhouse religion. But there are times that God actually moves in somebody's life. Amen? And there's a genuine move. But you have to realize that there's times that people have crocodile tears. And I remember times in my life, I'll tell on myself, when I got caught doing something. I wasn't sorry I did it. I was sorry I got caught. Just being honest. There's a difference. So, so tears can be for multiple reasons. Sometimes we're just sorry that we got embarrassed. We're sorry we got caught. We're sorry we got exposed. We're sorry our reputation was, was diminished. We're sorry for all kinds of things. But it's a completely different thing when you have godly sorrow. 
because godly sorrow leads to repentance. And this guy says he couldn't find it. So that tells me he had sorrow, but not the godly sorrow. Amen? Maybe he got it later, but at this point in Scripture, he didn't have it. Even though he had the tears, we'll call them crocodile tears. What does this tell? This tells us that there's times that people pray, but they don't actually receive what they prayed for because he actually prayed something. He had tears going. You, you, you would have seen him in a church somewhere, and you would have said, oh, man, that guy's got it going on. Got the tears going. I've seen people fall out in church, right? And then fall back into the world after church. <laughs> Sometimes people can put on a show, especially when the lights are on. Amen? I heard uh, Leonard Ravenhill, he said one time, uh, he said, you, you know, people talk, talking about uh, praying in the Spirit. He said, you can't pray in the Spirit if you gossip in English. I said, whoo, that's, that's tough right there. That's tough right there. You go pray in the Spirit but gossip in English. Come on now. Come on now. So this, this idea that there's, there's times that prayer is not working is because we've used it for the wrong reasons. James tells us that. Just look over there a couple pages in James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 2. He says, you lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. Before you get cocky, right, he comes with the next verse. Sometimes you go, well, you have not because you ask not. Well, I'll ask then. But look what he says in the next verse. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. This is James 4, verse 2 and 3. You see, the, the, the idea there is that sometimes people are so involved in the things of the carnal life, they'll begin to pray for carnal things. And when God doesn't move in the carnal situation, then we begin to say, well, God don't answer prayer anymore. I believe this is why people in the church world today, nobody sees a move of God because nobody's moving with God. But if you'll move with God, you'll see God still moves. God hasn't grown impotent. He hasn't grown gray hair. He's not walking around with a cane. God, he's the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is my God, and he's your God. He has not changed. Amen? Our expectation level has changed, but his ability has not changed. And so they begin to ask amiss, and then you know how people in the church world do. Wow, I've been praying about that for 15 years. Maybe you're praying about it wrong. Maybe you're praying for the wrong reason. Maybe you're praying from the wrong side of things. Maybe. Could be. It could be. Or it could just be that you just got to pray that thing through. It could be that you just got to pray that thing through. There's times and situations that you got to pray it through. And you know, one of, the, one of the jobs, one of the jobs that Ezekiel said that the priest of the Lord would do, he said that they would teach the children of Israel the difference 
between the profane and the holy. That's what a priest's job is, to help the people of God to discern that which is profane and that which is holy. And he gets them to get on that holy cause. Hey, get your eyes on that which is holy. You begin to get in the gutter. You begin to get in the, in, 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 in the, in the pig pen and begin to fight the battles in the pig pen. It'll never work, son. Come on. Leave that which is unholy, right? Leave that which is profane. And look at this which is holy. It is turning our attention. So look at this next verse, verse 4, and then, and then we'll move. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses. He's, he's talking to people that are caught up in this stuff, right? I know you're not. Not talking about you, right? He's talking about somebody next to you, right? He says, you adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. He just lays it on the line right there. You, you begin to set your heart on the things of the world, you have taken it off of God. You, you begin to set your heart on the things of this life and the carnal situations, you've taken it off of God. God wants to see people move for eternal purposes. God wants to see souls saved, not mansions built. Jesus already got the mansions built in glory. Don't worry about mansions. We don't need mansions down here. We waiting on a mansion up there. Amen. We don't need triple-decker church buildings down here. We need to go and spread the gospel out, not build our kingdom up. Amen. Reminds you of the Tower of Babel. But we don't need to build our buildings up. We need to take the gospel out into the highways and byways. That's where God's heart is. Jesus said that, you know, we're supposed to go out there and that there's not any laborers going out there. The, the field's ready. The harvest is white. Where's the laborers? Laborers are few. Where are they? Where are they? That's what God's looking for. So notice what he said, though. He said that if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. And yet we believe, we believe that we can pray about these carnal things just like Esau did. Esau never got the birthright back. And he had the crocodile tears. But his heart wasn't on the things of God. If his heart was on the things of God, he would have never let that thing go. He would have said, hey, look, I'll, I'll give you anything else, but God, God gave me the, the right to be the first one to come out of mom. I'm the firstborn. God gave me that right. That is who I am by God's grace. And you're not taking it from me, brother. Right? He could have said that, but he wanted the thing of the world so much that he let it go. He let it go. How many Christians let God's blessings and God's promises go? How many Christians let go of the authority that God's given us over situations and over circumstances? We just let those things go when God's given it to us. And just like Esau, we'll trade a piece of bread for that authority. Trade a piece of bread for that promise. Well, Jesus talked about this in Luke. Sometimes, sometimes, you got to see uh, that there are 
you can go to Luke 11, but sometimes you got to see that there are times that you have to be persistent in your prayer. When, when, when you don't see things change, it doesn't mean that God's not working. A lot of times when you don't see anything change, that's when God's working the most. The spirit will be at work when the flesh don't see anything happening. When you see things happening, you know, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes you just got to think about things in eternal perspectives. When you see a lot of things happening in the flesh, you better step back. You better step back. Now watch this. In, in, in Luke 11, look at verse number 9. Jesus said, and I say unto you, ask, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one, every one that asks, receives. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Is that ask, seek, and knock. Sometimes asking, you don't get it. You don't see it. Then you got to begin to knock. You got to seek. There's times in our life that we have to stay persistent after the promise in order to see the thing come to pass. Time after time after time, people, nobler backgrounds than us, children of God, have had to tarry and pray a situation through. And, and sometimes when that happens, when that happens, God gets all the glory. A true saint that prays a situation through doesn't walk around crowing about it. They walk around giving God glory for it. They walk around giving God glory for it. When you, and, and sometimes God will, will dry you out because a lot of us have, you know, uh, we got, you know, some flesh in there, got some pride in there, got some ego in there, got some stuff in there, got, got a little things, got to get, you know, kind of taken out, filtered out. And sometimes in the asking, in the seeking, in the knocking, God has a way of delivering us from ourselves so that whenever that thing comes to pass, we don't stick our neck out there and say, look what we did. We say, hey, look what our God did. God did it. You can't take it from me. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. God did it. Amen. And it belongs to God. That victory is God's. A true saint, though, a true saint will do that. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is about Hannah. It's over in 1 Samuel. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I, I believe she's honestly one of my heroes in the faith, too. Hannah had an amazing testimony. This woman of God, this woman of God prayed, amen, through. You know what she wanted? She wanted a child. She wanted a child so bad, so bad. Turn with me over to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Turn with me over there. In, in, in 1 Samuel, Hannah has been pleading. Now, 
this important part. She goes, you know, to the temple with her husband. She goes and and she's praying for a child. And nothing's happening. You ever been in a time where you pray and you pray and you pray and nothing happens? When nothing happens, nothing changes, the enemy says, see, see, it's not for you. See, but I want to just remind you what Jesus said back there. He said, everyone, everyone that asks receives. Everyone. You're not the exception. He, he said, it, he didn't say everyone but you. <laughs> he didn't say everyone but Sister Nancy. He didn't say everyone but Brother Bill. He, didn't, he said, everyone that asks receives. That's what he said. And I want you to know God's good. Now watch what happens. She goes and she desires a, a child. I, I believe it was a burden right down in here. It was a burden right down in here. And you know what happened? She began to get so overwhelmed that the priest thought she was drunk. She had stammering lips. She was praying in the spirit. Nobody knew what she was saying but God. It was an angelic language. They were, as, as Paul said, it's, it's sometimes you have the, 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 the tongues of men and angels. And she was praying in the tongue of angels. She, nobody knew but God what she was saying, but she was saying it. She was letting it rip. It was coming out of the bowels of her soul, and she was pouring out her heart to God, and she was just letting it go. And God knew the burden and the desire of her heart. And that priest said, man, you're drunk. Get away from here. She said, I'm not drunk. Praying for a child. Sometimes priests even get caught off guard because you're so used to dealing with people in the carnal. He finally found somebody to have faith. Caught him off guard. He caught him off guard because nine out of ten times, I'm sure, nine out of ten people that he was involved with, it was all about the carnal, the carnal, the carnal. And there's this one woman of faith right here. I love this story. You know what happens, though? God gives her a child. God honors her prayer. Do you know it wasn't the first time she prayed, though? She prayed and prayed and prayed, and she never gave up. Her faith was challenged, but it didn't waver. Faith is a challenge. Don't let somebody lie to you. The devil's a liar, and he'll sneak a whisper in on you at the right time, right when you're ready to give up. But the Spirit of God says, hold on, hold on, right? And she prayed through. So what I want you to see is I, I want you to see something. Esau, Esau was given a birthright, right? And he let it go. Profane. This woman got a blessing. She birthed a blessing by prayer. See, it wasn't going to happen unless she birthed that thing by prayer. She had to get down on her knees. She had to get to that place where it was coming from the, the, the welling of the soul. She had, in other words, she had to put some soul in that prayer. 
and some faith. And when she began to pray in faith, God began to move. But she birthed, she birthed, listen, she, now she birthed them naturally, but she birthed them spiritually. That child came into existence because that child was birthed in prayer. Sometimes, sometimes we have situations in our lives where we just, we have not because we ask not. We're not willing to birth that thing in prayer. Is it possible that we've given up? Is it possible that we've wavered when God has given us this promise? Everyone, everyone that asketh, receiveth receiveth oh and god is good god's timing is perfect sometimes you god will give you a blessing and you'll look back and you'll say you know what i prayed for that two years ago but if god would have given it to me two years ago i would have fumbled that thing out the door but god's timing is perfect you know you can't tell the flesh that you can't tell because the flesh wants it now now and yesterday you got to trust God's timing. And you got to be willing to pray it through. Hannah, I love this woman. She prayed this, prayed this child. She birthed this blessing by prayer. How many blessings are available for the people of God if we would be willing to birth it in prayer? How many? Now, the... the after the child was born, it says in verse 20, when it came to pass, when the time was come after Hannah had conceived, she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. Did Jesus not say every, everyone that asks receives? And she said, she called him Samuel because I asked him of the Lord. Now look what happens though. Now she has this child. Now you you and I, we would be like, all right, we got a child. We're going to play baseball together. I'm going to teach them, you know, how to hit the ball and catch the ball. I'm going to teach them how to fish and all this stuff. But this woman, I believe, as she was praying this thing through, as she was giving birth by prayer into this blessing, it changed her. I believe that she, when she began to operate in faith like this, she began to walk in the spirit like this, something that, that she touched God's heart and God touched hers. And it changed her. Because her husband said, all right, I'm going to go back to the, to the house of God, you know. And she said, I'm not going. I'm going to stay here with this child. And she was going to nourish the child until he was weaned. And look what happens. This is, it's amazing when God touches somebody's heart. Look what happens. It says, but, but Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then I'll bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. She's giving this child back to God. 
She touched God's heart and he touched hers. This woman has a, 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 an everlasting testimony. Jesus said that about the woman that broke the alabaster box over his feet and over his head. He said, this is going to be told of her. I believe Hannah's in here for this because she touched God's heart. Now watch. In verse 24, it says, when, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks, an eve of a flower, a bottle of wine, and she brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. They slew a bullock, and they brought the child to Eli. That's the priest. And she said, O oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. God brought her full circle. Can you imagine what she felt when she was standing in that place next to that priest years later? She prayed for years for a child, gave birth by prayer. She birthed that child by prayer. And now she's standing there with that child in that same exact spot. She told the priest, I'm that woman. It's praying right here. And look what she says in verse 27. For this child I prayed, and the Lord had given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Do you see the difference between her heart and Esau's? Esau traded what he got by natural birth for bread, for something carnal. She took a carnal situation, prayed it in to a blessing, and then gave it to God. Esau took, she gave. Esau had it from birth. She had to birth it by prayer. And the promise, the promise you see in Luke 11, you ask, you'll receive. You might have to ask, you might have to seek, you might have to knock, but God hasn't run empty of answering prayer. He still answers prayers. His bag hasn't run dry. He's not reaching in there saying, ah, let me see if I got any of that answered prayer left over for you. God is good, and he answers prayer today. And if you'll ask, you'll receive when you ask in faith. Don't ask amiss. Don't ask to consume it on the carnal things like Esau and like James talked about. But when you begin to, to cry out from that burden of the soul, you'll see God move. You'll see God move, and God will answer that prayer. Amen? Isn't God good?